It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Rams Nation, what's happening, what's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. It's the Tuesday edition of Lockdown Rams. I appreciate all you guys for tuning in and listening. We've got a great show for you guys today. We actually have Derek Ciapala. Uh, We've had him in the past, and we are excited to have him here as we transition out of the bye week back into game week. We've got the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. I apologize to you guys. Yesterday, I didn't get a podcast up. My Apple computer kind of pooped out on me, took it to the Apple store, and they fixed me back up. And so I'm back and running. Uh, But we've got an awesome show for you guys today. We're going to talk a little bit uh, about, again, where we stand in this division in the NFC. We're going to talk about returning uh, some of our players, not only on the defense, but potentially on the offense with Brandon Cooks. And we're going to get into that as well as Macklin Brown. Looks like he's going to be back. And how that changed the aspect of the running backs room, as well as take a look ahead to Pittsburgh Steelers, who we are playing this week. All that will be done uh, with Derek Ciapala, obviously, from Rams Talk Radio. You guys can go give him a follow at Talk Rams, at Derek Ciapala on Twitter, as well as myself, LA underscore Rambling Bear, and Lockdown Rams, all accounts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Same for those guys over there. Uh, You can find them at Talk Rams. Uh, as well as you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or any streaming place that you stream or listen to the podcast at. So let me know if you don't find us somewhere. Let us know. I will send you a link and get you up and running. Uh, but with that, we've got an awesome show for you guys today. So let's just kick right into it. I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams. I'm joined by Derek Ciapala, and this is your lead story. Derek, we're coming out of the bye sitting at 5-3, and three, and the Seahawks and Niners in our division are so far looking really, really great. With eight games left, in your opinion, is six and two the rest of the way enough to make the playoffs, or does this Rams team need to go seven and one or even better? Six and two puts them at eleven and five, given who Seattle has to face yet. Looking at how Minnesota lost this last weekend, I think eleven and five is a good shot at getting you in. And I've been saying this on our show a lot too. The NFC, no way scares you. Not even the 49ers. The 49ers have their flaws too. They are the cl- as close to scary as they come. If I'm honest, but the Saints don't scare me. The Packers don't scare me. The Packers got exposed hardcore yesterday against the Chargers. And what became, by the way, a home game yeah. for the Packers. Dallas doesn't scare me. Seattle doesn't scare me. Their defense got 230 points already this year. Minnesota just, I don't know how they dropped that game. I just don't know how they do it. So all those things in mind, as flawed as this Rams team has been all year, everybody else has flaws too. And that's why 11-5, the schedule's, not easy, but it's manageable. I think they're in at 11-5. Yeah, and I'm with you. I, I think, you know, we've seen a lot out there of, you know, even our own Andrew Whitworth, when he broke down the team before they went on the bye, basically said, all right, let's go eight games in a row and let's not make, you know, let's not leave a doubt about it and let's win out. And that would be obviously the ideal situation. But you're looking at, you know, the games on our schedule. We still have the Niners. And, and you mentioned they do have some holes in, in them and they were kind of, you know, a little exposed uh, over the last couple of weeks, as we've seen some areas that they can, you know, be defeated, but obviously not to this point. 
Um, but we've got them still. We've got the Seahawks. We still have some chance to make ground with a win and a direct loss to them. Uh, when you're looking at this and we talk about maybe two losses will be you know, enough to get you through, what are the games that kind of jump out at you that you go, man, that, that might be one of those games that we lose? One of the games you might lose. I hate to say it, man. 49ers game. The 49ers are just built to beat the Rams. They're just that pass rush against that offensive line, the speed they bring. If you want to find a team that was blueprinted all the way to win the NFC West, it was the 49ers. That's exactly how they need to do it. And they showed it in that first game. Now, it wasn't a fluke win, by the way. 27 win. It was a game they controlled for much of it. And that would be the one I would think, this unless this offensive line can put together quickly across the board, talking pass blocking and running the football, they're going to have problems against the 49ers if they play 16 times. That's the one game that I'm like, oh gosh, that's that's going to be a major, major problem. The other one that I still am looking at and thinking, it's not Baltimore. Baltimore isn't scaring me. It's not Seattle again. Right. It's not even Pittsburgh, although I have some concerns about the Pittsburgh game. It's the Dallas game. Dallas is underplayed all year. That team is too much talent. Yeah. And if they happen to get together the right time in Dallas with the playoffs on the line, I have some serious concerns there. Their offensive line being what it is. They have weapons. That's a dangerous game. That's a dangerous team. And if they don't figure it out this year, that's on Jason Garrett. It's not on the talent. No, I, I agree with you. Obviously, uh, we've got Monday night football going on right now as we speak, as we record this versus the Giants. And I'm actually in like a family pick em pool and I switched my picks to the Giants because that's the only chance of winning the week and winning money. So I'm kind of hoping that that goes out. And I, I don't know what the score is right now, but uh, you talk about those Dallas Cowboys and, you know, that that's a tough matchup. We went down there a couple years ago. And I remember actually when we went down there, it was almost in my eyes when we won that Dallas game on the road a few years back. I think that was the first year under McVay was kind of like the okay, we've got something here type of moment for that team back then. And and I'm curious to see if they can kind of continue that, um, you know, idea with kind of this uh, chip on their shoulder going down there when everyone may be kind of counting them out. And they played really well on the road. And that's why actually, um, you know, looking at the schedule remaining, the one thing that does, you know, scare me about a couple of the teams are more the home games than the away games. You mentioned those Baltimore Ravens and, you know, my thing is really just how you stop uh, Lamar Jackson and really try to mitigate what he can do. Uh, and I'm not sure how our defense, as it still is kind of, I don't want to say being put together in front of our eyes, but with Jalen Ramsey in the last couple of weeks and and obviously Troy Hill and a few of the other guys, we're getting Clay Matthews back. It's going to be a different looking defense than we've seen in the past couple of weeks, but uh, it will be interesting to watch. And I kind of agree with you. I think if we, you know, two losses will still get us to a place where we can put ourselves in position to go to the playoffs. But we'll have to kind of keep an eye on that because uh, the whole picture as far as NFC and how that shakes out, the one good thing is, and I don't know how much it will come into play, but you know, that win early in the season over the saints definitely helps as you have, you know, tiebreaker type of stuff. You know, they've got drew Brees back and you don't expect them losing a bunch of games, but you never know uh, if the Rams do make a run and go eight straight, uh, maybe put them in you know, in contention for having a game at home, but We'll see how it all shakes out, and it's going to be interesting for the second half of the season. i got a couple other questions for you. Um, what we'll do is we'll actually step aside. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll be back with more with Derek C. Apollo. We're going to talk a little bit more about that defense, who we got returning, uh, how we'd like to see that thing improve, and really what the rest of the season looks like, especially 
uh, this coming week is we got the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. Uh, it's going to be a tough one with especially the way that they've been playing. We'll be right back more with Derek Ciapala, Tuesday edition Lockdown Rams, right after this. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Metro Infinity. They are located just off the 210 in Monrovia. You got to go swing by their new multi-million dollar facility. It is amazing. Check it out. They've got an incredible selection of new and used cars. They are the only dealer in California that's family owned and has been in business for over 25 years. Yes, that includes them being the number one volume dealer in California. They are dominating the game when it comes to selling cars and especially in the Infinity world. One of my favorite parts about Metro Infinity is it's not like a regular dealership. If you don't like going down to the dealership and dealing with the salesperson and going through the old version of buying a car, no problem. They will bring the car and the paperwork to your home, to your office. Heck, meet them at the mall if you want. Whatever is comfortable for you, they will meet you there with the paperwork and the car. Make sure to mention Locked On because they're going to give you another $500 off your car purchase when you mention that. So if you're thinking about a new Infinity or even in the market for a new or used car, please give them a chance to earn your business. Believe me, you will not regret it. Make sure to say what's up to my man, Billy Adams. He is the manager down there. He will take care of you. They have over 50 certified pre-owned Infinities. You can reach them at 626 599 7510 or metroinfinity.com. Again, they are located at 821 East Central Ave, Monrovia, California, just off the 210 in Monrovia. Fellas, how we doing in the bedroom? I know, I know. We all think we're killing it. Well, guess what? You might not be. The best way to help yourself out is go to bluechew.com. That's right, like the color blue. This is going to increase your performance and give you that little extra confidence you need in bed. The nice thing is you can take them anytime, day or night, full stomach, empty stomach, it doesn't matter. Because they are chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. But ding As we all can tell, the Rams have started these games off slow. I don't know why Sean McVay isn't giving Blue Chew out at the beginning of the game. Instead, it is being delivered at halftime. They have picked up the performance, and you can do the same thing right now. Lockdown Rams is going to hook you up, and you are going to get a special deal just for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment for free when using the promo code LOCKDOWN. All you do is pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E, Chew.com. Promo code LOCKDOWN. Try it for free. Blue Chew is better, cheaper, and the faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, we are back. We've got Derek C. Apollo with us from Rams Talk Radio. Uh, we're talking about this defense and really the Rams coming off this bye and really where this energy is going for these guys and what they're going to need to close the season out uh, to get to the playoffs. And we talk about that defense. We've got the return of Clay Matthews. He sounds like he's going to be a go in Sunday's game for most likelihood, right? I mean, uh, he's got everything removed from his jaw. And really, if he can just get back to what Sean McVay said in his press conference, getting used to being hit again, then he should be fine for Sunday. But if you look at that defense, they've been playing really great the last two games. Is there more pressure on them with the return of Clay Matthews to continue to be that great? Or maybe is there more pressure on the offense to keep pace? Which How do you see it? Offense. I think the defense, where it is right now, personnel-wise, is a better defense than last year. They've got 
people in the right places. They're able to do the things they wish they could have done last year with Talib and Peters, and they just couldn't do it. With Talib getting hurt last year, Peters being shown to be more of his own guy. But Jalen Ramsey, he's your straight man guy. He, for the most part, he will shut your number one receiver down the entire time, and that puts a lot of pressure on opposing offensive linemen to give their quarterback more time. And for all the things that the Steelers do right, for example, just going this weekend alone, they, we, we saw earlier this year what, what happened to Mason Rudolph. We know what happened to Ben Roethlisberger. Teams can get to the quarterback. Every team this year is going to have to deal with that same aspect, having a shutdown corner, whichever sideline he's at, and you have Aaron Dahl on the line, Clay Matthews there staring you down. That is a problem. So offensive line to me is more of a concern because they can't run the ball consistently. The only time they're running the ball is when someone's not stacking the box at this point because this, they're not working well as a unit to run block. And it's all over the film, and anybody can see it. Pass block is getting better. Yeah, It really is. Run blocking, though, is a train wreck. And we just talked about this in talk early and just the differences we were seeing. And something I pointed out the other night was if you go back and look at film in twenty late 2015, early 2016 on Todd Gurley, Todd, he's a star. He's, he's a superstar. But if you bottle him at the line, if you don't run block well for him, mm-hmm. he has a tendency to get stuck right there. And that is, to me, what keeps him from being, quote, unquote, a Hall of Fame running back, potentially, to just being a really, really good one. And you look this year, people are saying, well, he's lost bursts. He's lost this. I'm not sure I agree. I, something's not right with him. It could be frustration. It could be his head's not in the game. Maybe he's lost bursts. When we've seen him make a cut and go, though, he's looked good. So I'm not sure that's even accurate. But one thing is for sure, the run blocking's not right. And he's not the kind of back. Again, if you go back and look at the film, 2015, 2016, he's not the kind of back who is able to make up for bad offensive lines. I'm sorry. I mean, I hate to say that. I really do. But just watch the film. No, and I, I think you're 100% right. And I think out of a lot of the stuff that we've both seen and everyone here listening has seen on social media and national outlets of, you know, Gurley's not as good as he used to be in the knee and, oh, there's, you know, they're hiding something and all that. I don't think that's true, but I think definitely what you said is true. If you go back and watch the film and you look to those days and when he was tied with, um, you know, Jeff Fisher, there was the rookie year where he had the great, I think it was eight or nine games where he, he did awesome. And then he really slowed down at the end of the season. The next year uh, was almost awful at a certain point. I think his yards per carry were under three and, and you're right. He'd get to the line and he kind of almost, it felt like he had his head down and he was just kind of chugging his feet a little bit and looking for someone to like open up and he'd just run forward and really had no decisiveness. And then we're seeing a little bit of that running style again, right? Get to the line, no immediate hole, or maybe there is one. He's just not seeing it. I've seen a handful of plays on film where he just kind of took the wrong, you know, choice, the wrong door. If he went door number one, it might've been a 10 yard run, but he kind of took door number two right in front of him and went nowhere. And I think that is the issue this year is the confidence. And I think that goes into what you're saying is, that run blocking has been, you know, sketchy at best. And and we have seen some, and this kind of goes into my next question here. Uh, you know, we've seen some improvement in that O-line and definitely in the pass protection because Jared Goff is starting to look comfortable again. Um, but are 
are you seeing enough that they can improve not only against teams that have a one and whatever record, the last two teams that we played, but that over the next handful of games, what are you going to need to see from them? Is it purely the run blocking and, and we'll know if they're getting better, if Todd Gurley's getting better, or how do you see this O-line? Is there potential to get better or are we just going to have to adjust game plan? And now it's kind of the Jared Goff show and, you know, working in some run here and there and just, you know, being okay with 80 yards on the ground per game if Jared Goff can lead the way. I think it's a couple, a couple fold here. A, awesome Blythe. He's been a train wreck all year. Yeah. And if you've ever had a high ankle sprain, you know how painful this is, man. Any kind of thing going the leg, and there's no way the, as quickly as he came back that he's fully healthy. There's just not. Right. You can look at his film, you can see how he moves, and it's pretty easy to see that. I mean, it's easy to see something's not right with him. Either his head's not right or his legs aren't right. So this two weeks off, basically, has he had a chance to finally get his, get himself right? Will we see a much healthier, more productive Austin Blythe? And if not, is Austin Corbett ready? Right. Is Austin Corbett ready to step in on the right side? And then there's Brian Allen, who I personally believe he'll eventually figure it out. His pedigree from where he's been, where he came from, despite the fact that he was predicted as a lower round pick, I think he will eventually will get it right. Center as a as basically a rookie. Or to say he's not a rookie, he is. Okay, he didn't play at all last year. Right, You're a rookie. That's the, one of the hardest positions to play, and they put him in there at the, at the core of a playoff team. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. So the, the learning curve to me for him, he needs more time. So maybe you can maybe you consider putting Austin Corbett at center, and you have Austin Blythe at right guard. Those are the things I'm thinking about right now as factors as to how this offensive line can get better. I think they will be better. I think the schedule gives them opportunities to be better going down the line. I'm just not sure if they'll be good enough across the board to provide the protection they need all year round for Goff and the holes for, for Gurley. I'm not sure, man. I, I got to think the potential is there. Right. And that is the big question, right? This offensive line, can they hold up? Because for our offense to be clicking, and you look back over the last couple of years, and that that offensive line was, you know, I think they got last year offensive line of the year. They had uh, two straight years where they, you know, had every single starter, every single game was healthy. And now all of a sudden we're dealing with injury. We've got brand new guys on the line. Uh, Joe Noteboom's out for the whole season. And even when he was there, what, you know, he was better than some, but he wasn't still killing it. I, I'm with you on Brian Allen, though. I think the one thing that I like coming out of, you know, the organization is they're talking about how smart he is and how him and Goff have, you know, been able to communicate really well. And I think then now maybe that is part of the reason of his play is he's thinking so much inside his head of what do I have to communicate and all that stuff as a rookie that you talk about that you got to take on at the center position that maybe he's now he's a step behind in the technique and getting off the ball and doing all of that productive, uh, you know, all that production. So uh, can he put those two things together? I'm with you. I think in the long term, I think he can get better. Austin Blythe, you talk about the injury that I think we don't get to talk about enough and, and that high ankle sprain. Hopefully he's gotten healthy and we'll see in these first couple games if his ankle is doing better and if he's doing better overall. But those are two big 
parts and you, and you talk about the Austin Corbett and when will we see him. I'm going to ask you a little bit about that on the defensive side, uh, probably in the next segment, because we've got another guy I'm curious about. Uh, but I want to ask, since we're talking about the offense, offense line, and, and really Todd Gurley here a little bit, uh, they mentioned today that Malcolm Brown is feeling better and that he most likely will be will be on the active roster on Sunday if all things go uh, according to the plan. That means Todd Gurley, we've got Henderson, and now Malcolm Brown is back. How do you work that running back room? Because it seemed to be working okay the last couple of weeks with kind of almost a dead split in carries, uh, none of them being extremely productive. They each got about 10 to 12 over the last couple of games. But how do you split it with three? What would your plan be with three running backs that we all know can you know carry the rock? What, what, what do you think? <sighs> Man, I feel like I'm a mad scientist. Yeah. You know, Oppenheimer for the Manhattan Project. <laughs> I would say, honestly, I'm going to try something a little unorthodox early. And folks won't like it. It's okay if you disagree. It really is. Because I'm not sure there's an easy solution. I would pair early in the game Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, and start working on wearing down the Pittsburgh defensive line a little bit. And then you go bring your big horse in. They, they keep trying to put him in first in like the first quarter and then they'll rotate Malcolm Brown yeah. in and then they try and go back to him later. I don't see how that's productive. And someone, you know, again, they're the coaching staff. They know him better than I do. I get it. This is just my thought. To me, it makes more sense to wear teams down a little bit first and then commit to giving Gurley the ball as you start trying to break this game away to try and break down defense even more. Why would you take him out before we can get in rhythm and then bring him back expecting to be in rhythm? I would love to be in a room and ask that question. Yeah. Well, and, and it's actually, I like it because I was curious what you were going to say here. And it is outside the box. And as you're saying it, I don't think you're that crazy, right? I mean, it kind of does make sense. Like, hey, why don't you take these two uh, young bucks or these other guys that, you know, maybe not be in question is, I mean, I guess Brown's coming a little bit off of injury, but still you got two guys. Go throw them at this defense early. Go give them five, six carries apiece, and then start working in Todd Gurley here as the defense gets a little bit more tired and you're thinking our number one back against a little bit of a worn-out defense in the second half. Uh, the only question maybe to counter there is, you know, with Gurley potentially, or not potentially, but being kind of that number one guy in the past couple of years, and the way that I think kind of look at it as well is that He's almost one of those guys that heats up a little bit the more and more he gets the rock, right? That we talked about him running into the line, but as he gets those, you know, 8th, 10th, 11th, 12th carries that he starts looking outside a little bit more, starts getting a little bit more risky with his decisions on which way he wants to go. Uh, so maybe that would be the downside is not letting him kind of rev up and get going and then start wearing them down. But I like the idea. I mean, if you're looking at it from an outside perspective and you got three backs that you know, can tote the rock and you're trying to figure out how to use them, you know, all in accordance. And I think really my idea would be, you know, almost six carries and six carries. You know, you're looking at splitting up 12 carries between Brown and Henderson and then give the other 12 to Todd Gurley. And that's how you kind of do it is you still split it 50 50, but now Henderson is splitting, you know, his share of the carries, but I like it to see if maybe if they came in early with the other two guys, instead of we saw in that game, uh, in London, I think it was where we saw Henderson kind of go three or four, you know, drives to really end the game, uh, but almost flipping it. So I like it. I like it. It's a different way of looking at it. And you're right to be a fly in the room of that offensive 
uh, game planning. And, and, you know, Sean McVay kind of laughed and when they asked kind of what are you going to do? And he said, well, you'll find out Sunday after the game what our game plan is. But man, to be a fly in the wall and to hear that would be pretty exciting. Well, I've got another question for you. This one goes for the defensive side. And what we'll do is we'll step step aside and we'll take that on the other side of the break. Uh, we've got more coming up with Derek Ciapala as we look at this defense. We look ahead to the Pittsburgh game and talk that out. Lockdown Rams Tuesday right after this. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, we're back. We've got Derek C. Apollo with us. We're talking all things Rams. We're looking at the offensive line. Uh, we talked a little bit about Todd Gurley and that running back room and really what's the right way to do it. And I don't think we've really figured that out yet or else uh, we wouldn't be having that conversation. Uh, as, as long as we see that offensive line progressing game after game, I think we can be pretty excited about this offense. We saw Jared Goff get a little bit more comfortable. Uh, but I want to jump back over to the defensive side of the ball and really talk about uh, you know, we, we know Clay Matthews is coming back and, you know, we've seen what they've done at linebacker over the past couple weeks. They've had Troy Reader in there at middle linebacker. Bryce Hager has been in and out when he's been healthy. Uh, but we've seen a lot of snaps go Marquise Christian's way as they've kind of went to more of a triple safety look and been sliding him down a little bit. Uh, we just signed Dakota Allen again, kind of a a preseason superstar, shall you say, here in the Rams world. People just fell in love with Dakota Allen and were crushed uh, when he was cut and then when he went to the Raiders. The Raiders kind of didn't really uh, work into anything there, so they kind of released him. Now he's back. We also got Kenny Young uh, in that trade with Marcus Peters. He's a linebacker, and if you guys didn't see the hit that he put on, I think it was Gardner Minshew in the preseason. I mean, he laid him out. The helmet went flying like 15 yards back. 
Uh, so you know he's got some pop as well. He's got some really great speed. It's kind of been one of his things that people talked about. Uh, but when you're looking at that second linebacker position with Hager, Reeder, uh, and even Marquise Christian coming in there and taking up some snaps, what do you think about Dakota Allen, Kenny Young? Do you have any hopes to see one of those guys step in, or do you like kind of what they're doing with it right now? I think you'll see Kenny Young. I think you'll start seeing him get more and more active, especially on special teams, as he gets acclimated to the roster, to the coaching staff. I think he'll get more opportunities potentially in the game as well. For Dakota Allen, he's back on the practice squad, and you're going to have to have an injury to get him off that practice squad and onto the active roster. So I'm zeroing on Kenny, Kenny Young right now. I want to see what he can do speed-wise to affect that defense because – they have a lot of it. Uh, people don't realize how fast this defense can be between right. Samson Ebicam, between well, Kenny Young, between Oko. Uh, has anybody here been caught off guard by how fast he's looked in games? Man. Because you, you forgot about him. Yeah. You, you sat out for a year and change, and you go, holy crap, number 45. That, that's Oko. Oh, my gosh. The Rams have a pass rush ability in their front seven that we haven't seen in a while. We were trying to see him get done in the front four and then front three in the last few years. And in reality, it always needed to come from the linebackers. It always needed to come from that full front seven. And now they have it. And the big the big catalyst for that is speed. They've got a lot of speed and a lot of people can move. And Kenny Young can be part of that. So I want to see how he, how he does on special teams. I want to see him hopefully get active in the game as well, because there's a reason why the Rams went and got him, and they got control of him for a couple of years. Yeah, and, th- and th- you talk about that speed, and we talked about some of these matchups, and you know, I, I was talking about that Ravens matchup, and I just didn't like how it really uh, sets up, just because of you know what we've seen Lamar Jackson do. But that is what you have to have to to really kind of counter him is some speed. Uh, to be able to kind of run around there on defense. And, you know, as you mentioned, don't forget we have speed, especially with a couple guys we haven't seen a lot of. And Oboe, uh, just to kind of add to that, it is so exciting to see him back. I am with you. It's been really cool the last game when you got to see him not only get his first sack, but just be in there play after play. I'm kind of excited to see what the Rams have for him in the second half, kind of keeping my eye on him as far as second half type of um, breakout player, if you, if you will. Uh, but kind of looking at what we're talking about with the health of certain positions, want to talk about this really quickly, and then we'll talk a little bit about Pittsburgh before we get out of here. But Brandon Cooks went and saw a specialist actually in Pittsburgh uh, to talk about his concussions. And Sean McVay is still not giving a bunch of information to us, but he kind of said that uh, they learned a little bit more and they feel a little bit better and they're going to do the best to keep them out of harm's way, which it still scratches my head because I'm like, we're not playing baseball here, people. This is football. You, once you put them in the game, you are definitely putting them in harm's way. Uh, when you look at it, and it looks like he may get the nod as far as being healthy enough to play on Sunday, what would your plan with Brandon Cooks, knowing the concussion protocol, would you rest him, uh, save him almost like a Todd Gurley with obviously the knee is a lot different than a concussion, but uh, or do you just say, hey, if the doctors say you're healthy, you send him out there. What, what are your thoughts on how to really you know, take his role moving forward? Sit him. Sit him. And then bring him back playoff time? It's, I have a different perspective. You know, I've coached the game. Right. I, one of the, you know, I was, quote, unquote, one of the new age coaches in the last few years that was introduced to the new USA football concussion protocol. And the danger with him having had that second concussion so quick, so so close to the first one, that's you're starting to get into the real true blue danger territory there. Right. And 
you know, a human life matters. I know there's a lot of folks before this concussion were like, trade them, trade cooks, right. go, which his dead money, come on, just folks, be real. Yeah. But he is a valuable player, both on the field, he produces. Yeah, sometimes you may not get seven catches, 120 yards out of him, but the numbers always balance out by the end of the year. He's a great locker room guy. He's a guy who is everything right about your organization. You need to protect that man. Sit him. Have him sit for a couple more weeks at least. Get other guys involved. Get Reynolds involved. Get the Titans more involved. You have weapons. You don't have to bring them back now. That's actually my point. There is no team in the NFL at the skill positions that is more talented than the Rams are. So protect him. You have the talent to protect him. Make sure he's fully able to come back. You don't need to bring him back right now. Sit him for a couple weeks at least. Just let his mind, his seriously, his head heal. Yeah. Breathe. No, and I, I think, honestly, again, I agree with you there because we like the best thing you said there is we don't really need him right now. I mean, even when he was on the field and quote-unquote healthy – uh, it wasn't being super productive. I know I have him on my fantasy team. Uh, so, and, and really, if you just watch the games, uh, Jared Goff really hadn't had time to go down the field. And that is really his strong suit is down the field. We haven't been taking the shots down the field as we had in the past couple of years. So, and like you said, Josh Reynolds, uh, before last game really kind of was like a meh. And you're thinking, you know, at one point, you know, maybe he'd leave in free agency because he was going to demand a lot of money. But maybe now he looks at staying because I don't know if he's built a lot of value into his contract. But uh, he's going to have an opportunity here because that last game, he had a really good game and looked like what we all thought in the offseason. We were talking about having four starting wide receivers. That game that he put up last game against the Bengals, that's kind of what we thought we were going to get every time he stepped on the field. So maybe that's an opportunity for him to kind of uh, expand his role a little bit, but also, like you said, uh, there's no need to put him in right now. Maybe later in the year, and you give his brain some time to heal, and you talk about those back-to-back concussions, and that means something. And and the likelihood of getting another one is probably I don't know the numbers, but I know it's a lot higher than when you didn't have one. So uh, let him rest. I'm kind of with you there, and kind of take. I mean, they've they've took this whole Todd Gurley plan to a next level, so might as well do it. Uh, with Brandon Cooks in that brain injury, a lot more serious than a knee injury. And then really quick before we get out of here, uh, we've got the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up here and, uh, you know, maybe week three or four as the Rams were three and oh, and you're looking at Pittsburgh looking pretty bad. You were thinking, man, it's gonna be a lot easier than you thought. Uh, they are now at one point, they went to their third backup quarterback. They're back to having uh, Rudolph, who's their backup quarterback in there. And he's been playing pretty well. They've won uh, three or four games in a row. They're starting to play with a lot of confidence how have you looked at this game and where was your confidence, you know, maybe three weeks ago to where your confidence is now in this game? How are you, how are you feeling about them going to Pittsburgh and get that win? It's I'm, st- I'm pretty confident overall they can go in there and get the win. I'm not, they don't, let's just say they don't, I don't think they match up well. I don't think they match up well with what teams need to do to beat the Rams. You have guys right now, skill position players, for the Steelers who are not, how I say it? Living up to the hype? Let me back it up. There we go. Let me back it <laughs> yeah. up, okay? I said about the offense. I'll say about the defense. Skill position players, Ramsey, Weddle, even even with Johnson out right now. I'm putting them against who the Steelers are putting out there. They don't scare me. Run the football, even with Trey Edmonds showing up out of like nowhere to do what he did last weekend. 
They don't scare me. And Mason Rudolph does not scare me. Right. The Rams defense, they're good. They do things well. Can you catch them? The Bengals caught them a little bit in that first half. Yeah, you can. But defensively, they're solid in, in a lot of areas that Pittsburgh is going to have to find ways to beat around. You're looking at, at the numbers here for Mason Rudolph in his starts this year or games this year. 112 yards, 174, 229, 131, 251, 191. Interceptions in four out of six games. He's been pretty well protected, only six sacks in those games. But teams do get to him. He has been knocked out. We're we're aware of that. And I just don't see at this point how the Rams don't at least reasonably well contain them if they play their game. They're just not a good matchup in my view. The Steelers are very good at finding players to work in their system, especially when running the football. That's why you saw Trey Edmonds do what he did last weekend. That's how you saw James Conner step in last year for Le'Veon Bell. But there are always gaps in that roster. And where I'm seeing gaps is where the Rams can really move. Now, the Rams offense versus Steelers defense – Fitzpatrick has made a huge difference over there for that Steelers defense. The Rams are going to have to really be creative, getting the ball downfield, stretching them, forcing the Steelers to make more decisions. I would like to see the Rams in this game take more shots, period. Force that defense to make more decisions than they've had to in the past. Come come out of their their shell a little bit. This game is a must-win game for me. Honestly, they have to win this game. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. I mean, you're coming out of the bye. You've got this, you know, what we just talked about in the first segment of got to win, you know, sick, got to go six and two the rest of the way. The team internally is saying, let's win eight in a row to win it out. Uh, You got to come out and win this game on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers team that is playing better. Um, But, you know, even looking at some of their last games, you know, they're squeaking out wins. And, yeah, I think, like you said, the matchup wise, I think we're a better team on paper as far as skill positions, as far as depth. And, uh, you know, you talk about the addition of Jalen Ramsey. I saw uh, JB Long put up a post today and he said in his last two regular season games, Jalen Ramsey versus the Pittsburgh Steelers has three interceptions and seven pass defended. Uh, Most likely that was again against Ben Roethlisberger. But. Uh, just understanding what his mentality is coming in this game that he thinks he's going to shut down anybody at any time, anywhere, uh, and that includes at Pittsburgh. So I'm with you. I feel pretty, you know, it's definitely this game has gotten a little bit more interesting over the past few weeks with the way the Steelers are playing. But I still, uh, even going back to our chats during the offseason, had this as a W. I think this was the time to go to Pittsburgh and try to get a win, especially with you know, now Big Ben out and some of the, you know, things that they've had in the turmoil. So uh, I'm looking forward to this game on Sunday and and think that it should be a W as well. Well, Brad, one thing about it, and I know you got to go, but one thing I, I want folks to think about as well is there is one X factor. The Steelers will physically punish you. They will go at you both offensively, defensively in the trenches. And if the Rams have had their struggles this year, it's been – where they've been out physical. I don't like people saying the Rams are physical. That's not true. Every football team is physical. It's who's more physical. And we've seen various times this year other teams just be more. And if the Rams are going to lose this game, it's going to be in the trenches. It's going to be them getting out-muscled both on the offensive line and the defensive line. That can't happen. 
Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. That's the one thing you can guarantee with Pittsburgh Steelers football is it's going to be a physical game. Uh, looking at the weather, it could be in the mid 40s as well. So it's going to be a big hit and it's going to sting. How can the Rams both sides of the ball in the trenches? Like you said, that's where probably where this game's going to be won. Can we protect Goff and allow him to move the football? Can we build some holes for these running backs to get through? And can our defense uh, get to Rudolph and make it extremely uncomfortable? And especially when he's had limited time, if Jalen Ramsey can lock down Juju Smith-Schuster. So uh, all those storylines are going to be fun to talk about the rest of the week. Derek, I appreciate it so much for you coming on. It's been a while since we chat, so I was so glad to have you on and have this conversation. Don't forget to go check them out, guys, over there at Rams Talk Radio. Uh, you can find them at Rams Talk on Twitter, at Derek C. Apollo. Give them a follow. Reach out. They're always starting a conversation online and putting up podcasts full of this awesome stuff. So I appreciate it. And uh, look forward to talking to you again soon, my man. You got it, man. Thanks a lot. With that, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time. Peace. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fancy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fancy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.